something yeah, different than we normally do. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Kevin left off at verse 12 last week. So we'll be picking up in verse 13. But before we do that, I have some questions for us this morning. If you think about uh, the word, the title, Dying in Faith, it kind of brings forth this uh, reality that some of us try to avoid or some of us fear, but that is of dying. And when we die, we know that we're going to be leaving some sort of legacy behind. When our time on earth is done, we'll leave some sort of legacy behind. My question is, is what kind of legacy, if you would die today, what sort of legacy would you leave? Will they talk about how great of a business mind you were? Will they talk about your high school sports career? Will they talk about uh, how great of a husband you were or how great of a father you were? It's these legacies that we leave behind that we want to focus on this morning because as we look at the legacy that the people that Kevin preached on the last couple Sundays, the legacy that they left behind, individuals like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah, and quite frankly, all the uh, patriarchs of the faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, the legacy that they left behind was that of one of faith. It says that they all died in faith. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean that they died in faith? That means not only did they live their lives in regards to the faith that they had in Christ, in God, but they kept their faith until their dying breath. It was not a faith that they abandoned, but they died still believing on their deathbed, they were, they were not questioning whether or not God was trustworthy, but they rested in the fact that he was worthy of putting their trust in. It was in their deathbed that they realized that the investment of faith that they had placed in God was a good investment and that it was still going to be that even when they died. They trusted him with everything in their life, and as they died, they trusted him with everything in their death and trusted him with everything that would go beyond that into the next life. Today, we look at how we can be people that live, a, not just live a life of faith, but we can leave a legacy of those that whenever we pass away, they can look at us and say they died in faith. So if you would with me, let's turn and read verses 13 to 16 in Hebrews chapter 11 here this morning. It said, these, the people that I mentioned before, all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we get to dive into your word. And Lord, how we thank you so much for your word, Lord. Just um, the inerrancy, the perfectness, Lord, the encouragement, the conviction, uh, the challenges that it gives us, Father. Lord, I thank you for it and the perfectness that it has, Lord, to just pierce our hearts. And I pray this morning that's what you do. Lord, that you allow us to have open ears and open hearts to allow your word to uh, be imprinted on our heart, Father God. Lord, let this word uh, come to life this morning for us so that we may know how we can uh, die in the faith, Father. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit, Father God, not to deliver this message from me, but from you. Lord, let us all have open ears and open hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. And all God's people said, amen. There's three parts that I want to break down here in this short little passage, and that is not receiving, not belonging, and not ashamed. As we continue here in verse 13, we see that not only did these people of faith die, but they died not receiving the things that God had promised. All right, They died in not necessarily receiving all the things that God had promised them. Now, let me tell you how promises work in my household. If I promise something to my son, Oakland, and you guys are probably the same way with your kids, but if I promise him something and I don't come through with it, he's going to continue to remind me until I come through on that promise. And he's probably going to complain that, Dad, you promised that we would play this game. Or you promised that, you, that I could have a treat. Or you promised that we could go do this or that. And ultimately, if I don't come through on those promises enough, Oakland's ultimately not going to trust me in fulfill, fulfilling those promises. Little kids are resentless. They never forget promises. At school, I'll tell kids all the time, I promise we'll play dodgeball. Every week. We playing dodgeball? No, not this week. You promised. Okay. They never forget. And I hope that we are people that are the same way, that we never forget the promises that God has given us. Because in not forgetting those promises, we have a promiser that always comes through on those promises. But see, we as adults are often like kids. If we, do not, if we do not see those promises fulfilled, see, we believe promises to be something that need to be answered or given immediately after doing what is asked for us in return. So what did God promise these individuals? These prom- the way the promise work is, if you do this, if you remain faithful, I promise I will give you this. And what happens oftentimes is us as believers, we, we, we have this sort of mentality that we read the promises of God in Scripture, and sometimes we are extremely impatient when those promises are not coming true right then and there. God, you promised me, you promised me that you would take care of me. You promised me all of these great things. And right now, I'm just going through a, a lot of stuff that is just not fun. When will this come true? God, are you even there? Don't, don't be ashamed of that this morning. We've all asked that question before when we've gone through difficult times. But we look back to these individuals who it says died in the faith. Let's look at 
the promises that God had given them. Abraham, for example, was given this promise that we find in Genesis 17, verses 6 to 8. God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be your God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of of your soldiers, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. That's a lot that God promised Abraham, right? He promised him descendants. He promised him uh, uh, generations that would come after him. He promised him that kings would come from his lineage. He promised him that all of these great people would come from the Abrahamic covenant that we see here in Genesis 17. Abraham saw some of those come to fruition. The one that we all know is the birth of his son Isaac, that God had promised him at a very old age, him and Sarah, we talked, Kevin mentioned that last week, he promised him that birth of a son. He got to see that promise come true. But if we understand that last part of the promise, he says that he will give them a land of their soldiers, the land of Canaan. But you have to understand, did Abraham see this land come to his people? Did Abraham enter the promised land that God had given him? No. Abraham died at the, age of, uh, at the uh, age of 175, and it was centuries later that Joshua led the people into the promised land. Centuries after Abraham had died did this promise of this land come true. What about the promise of a Messiah that was given in the Old Testament? The promise of the coming Messiah. All these men and women died prior to the birth of Jesus. They never saw this promised Messiah come as well. There was this Messiah that was supposed to come and conquer the world. He was supposed to come and save them. He was going to rule as king. And these men and women never saw this. But the interesting thing is we, have, we read here is did they lose faith? Did they lose faith that these promises would come true? No. It said they died in faith. See, it's one thing, it's one thing to live in faith, but it's an entirely different thing to be facing your own death and still trust God to fulfill his promises. We oftentimes live our life with this expectation of the things that are to come. God has promised us this, so we live in this life that we are expecting something to come our way. But you have to think about when when we get to our deathbed and our moments are drawing near, the time of those promises to come true for us to see with our physical eyes are dwindling. And it's in those moments that we think, you know what, I I just, I don't know if if this is really gonna come true. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen this. I've been praying for my kids to come to faith, and they, and they still haven't. I've been praying for my spouse to receive Christ, and I, I just don't think they have. I've been praying for this healing for someone, and I just haven't seen it. I've been praying and, and, and asking all of these things, and I just don't know, God, if you're really 
worth putting trust in because I've prayed these things and I've expected these things and I read in your word these things that you promise us and here I am about to pass away. My time is drawing near. You better hurry up because I just don't know if it's going to come or not. But see, we have to understand that receiving, receiving cannot and should not be the basis of our faith. Receiving cannot and should not be the basis of our faith. If we look at promises in an earthly sense, if I promise somebody something and I never come through on that, and as the time passes by and I still have not fulfilled that promise, the trust and belief that that promise is coming dwindles with each passing day. I begin to lose faith because I'm not receiving what was promised to me by this individual. And we can often take that same mentality into our faith with God. That as each passing day comes and we struggle and we, str- and we go through these trials and tribulations and we see all these things that are coming our way and we just we, we wonder where you are, God. You've promised me these things and here I am struggling. It's important to understand that us receiving is not where the basis of our faith should be. Will God show us in our lifetime how he is faithful? Absolutely. We have seen God be faithful in many aspects of our lives. We sing a song here that says, all my life you have been what? Faithful. All my life you have been good. We can see when we put our faith and trust in God, we have seen moments where God has come through. But there in some ways we may never see that promise come to fruition. And it's in those moments that we must have genuine faith that God is who he says he is, that his word is truly trustworthy. If you remember back to several weeks ago when we began on New Year's Day, we began, or New Year's Eve, we began this chapter of faith in Hebrews 11.1 that says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We talked a couple weeks ago in Stand Firm about an inheritance that has been promised to us. An inheritance that God has promised to us. We read about this inheritance all throughout Scripture, but in particular we see Paul praying in Ephesians that this inheritance, for the inheritance that is to come. This inheritance that is to come is something that has been given to us But we will not receive until we die and pass on. Think about how an inheritance works in our lifetime. If someone, if you inherit something, it comes after someone dies, right? It may have been promised to you, but you can't receive that until there's a death that has happened. So as we look to this inheritance of eternal life, that has been given to us, we have to look forward to understand that we will not receive that inheritance of eternal life until we pass away. Can we see that inheritance with our physical eyes? No. But we put our faith and trust in the scriptures, in the word of God that he has promised us that it is there. 
Can we physically see the room that he has prepared for us that he promises us in scripture? No, we can't see it. But we remain faithful in our death, reminded of that, the promise and inheritance that is to come. So don't base your faith on what you can see with your physical eyes. But faith is a conviction of the things that are not seen. Do you trust God with the things that you cannot see rather than the things that you can? That's true, genuine faith. So how do we walk in that? How do we, how do we have this type of faith? Well, we have to follow what they did here of those who died in faith in the patriarchs in Hebrews chapter 11. And that starts with understanding that we don't belong here. How do we focus on what we can't see when we live our everyday lives naturally looking and focusing on what we can and do see? Think about this analogy. This came to me this week. How do you get through a hard work day? Imagine you're sitting at work. Nothing's going right. It's a miserable work day. It's 8.30, you work, you work, you work, you work. You feel like you've been working for hours. You look at the clock, it's 8.45. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, we've all had those days. How do you get through those work days? You don't focus on every bad thing that's going on around you. You don't focus on how uh, people are treating you, how the customers are dealing with you, how, how, how your boss is giving you impossible tasks. You don't, you don't look at that. If you focus on the workload and everything else that's going on, your day is going to go by so slow. But what do you do? You focus on the end of the day when you get to go home because guess what? You don't live at work. You don't live at work. You're there for a temporary moment of your day. And then you get to go home. In this same mentality, we have to think about our time here on earth. If, it's, it's the old adage where if I would make a timeline all the way across the church with the tape, I've said this before, but if I'd make a timeline wrapping around, it still would not encompass what eternity looks like. We can't fully grasp that. But if, but if this line represented eternity, you could take this ballpoint pen that I have right here, you could take this pen, find a spot on that line, and just make a little poke on that line, and that is our lives that we have in comparison to eternity here on this earth. It is such a momentary blip on the scope of eternity. We are merely passing by on our way to heaven. If we do not have this type of mentality, that is how the people in Hebrews 11 kept the faith and died in faith. It says, having acknowledged, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. That's how they died in faith. That's how they kept the faith because they realized that this is not our home. That we are mere strangers and exiles on this earth. And we see several passages in the Bible where it refers to believers as strangers, exiles, soldiers. We see this in 1 Peter during persecution that Peter encourages the church at that time during the persecution that they're going through. He encourages them by saying, 
You're not, this is not your home. Look forward to what is coming. Don't be focused on what's going on right now. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So by having this mindset of this is not our home, it helps us look forward with our eyes of faith rather than in the present with our eyes of doubt. In looking forward, it helps us to look forward with our eyes of faith of that inheritance that has been promised to us rather than just focusing on, with our eyes of flesh and seeing all the doubt and problems that this world has to offer. See, we understand that our faith is not in this world, but in a God who has promised us eternity with him once we leave. He promises us, as the scriptures say, a country, a country of our own that is better. If I would ask you guys right now, how many of you love your life? I would say a majority of us would say yes. We love our jobs. We love our families. We love our homes. We love our Indiana weather. All right, we love our lives that we are continuing to live here on this earth. But brothers and sisters, let me ask you this morning. Do you know that there's more? See, I think we spend our life trying to live our best life now, trying to soak up everything that this world has to offer. We chase money. We chase fame. We chase success. We chase desires. We chase everything that this world has to offer because we forget that this is a temporary place. What happens oftentimes is us as the exiles and the soldiers, we try to become citizens of this world. We sell out the strip of eternity for the dot we live with one focus and one focus only, and that's to try to get everything out of that dot that we can, and in doing so, we lose the entire line. And when you live that way, you begin to put your faith in the things of this world, because if you're a citizen of this world, you need to put your faith in the things of this world, and when you put your faith in the things of this world, you're left with the same result every time, and that is dissatisfaction. It's not enough. You're left with sorrow and misery and despair because that's all that this world has to offer you. Further on, we see that once we set our minds on the future promises of this inheritance that we see in verse 15, we see that, we see that our inheritance is, is what we live for. We stop living our lives and our time and our money and everything stops focusing on how we can live our best life now and our life starts to focus on those treasures that we're storing up in heaven. And as we see this, we, we set our minds on the future, but we don't look back. The patriarchs of faith that we read about in Hebrews 11, they left their old lives behind. 
They left their old lives behind and decided to follow God. Abraham was called out of the land that he grew up in, the land that he was comfortable, the land that he knew most. He was told to pack up and move and to follow God. He's called to be uncomfortable. And that's the problem right there. That we put our faith in our comfortability rather than being uncomfortable because if we put our faith in our comfortability, we don't have to rely on God as much as if we were uncomfortable. Well, let me tell you right now, if you're comfortable where you're at and you're not stepping out in faith, then you're not placing your faith in God. You're placing your faith in other things. When God calls us to be sojourners or exiles, we go and we don't look back at this other life. I got asked the question this week. Somebody was doing a Bible study, and the question was, what does it cost? What does it cost to follow Christ? This was a question. I never really thought about it before. But what does it cost to follow Christ? And they asked me, they said, you know, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? And my answer was simple. It costs everything. The problem that we have in this world is that we want to follow Christ, but we want to keep looking back. And when we look back, we, we, we start to go this way a little bit. Because we kind of like what we had back here. We kind of like the sins that we live in. We kind of like what the world has to offer. But God's called us to walk this way. But God, I kind of like what I had back there. But it costs us everything. It costs us our will. It costs us our sins. It may cost us our friendships. Think about it. See, these people could have gone back at any time. They struggled. It was not an easy journey for them to step out in faith and follow God. They could have went back at any time, but their faith in God's promise kept them looking forward. If you're struggling with having one foot in the world and one foot in heaven, you need to stop because guess what? You can't have one foot in heaven and one foot in the world. you got to be one or the other. And if we're going to walk in faith and we want to remove that foot from the world and we want to turn our backs to the world and walk forward with that, then we have to be focused on the inheritance that is to come. But you have to first understand that you don't belong to this world. Al Mohler says that the genuine people of God don't look back. The genuine people of God don't look back. They look back forward because of the absolute assurance in his promises. The absolute assurance in his promises. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have absolute assurance that your money's just going to keep flowing? Do you have absolute assurance that the people that you're living with in your life, that you're doing life with, these, that are living lives that are un, that are that are completely different than the, the ways that God has asked, do you have assurance that they're always going to be there in your life, that they're always going to be friends with you? Do you have absolute assurance that your job is always going to be there? Do you have absolute assurance that your spouse and your family is always going to be there? You don't. You can't answer that honestly. But I'm telling you what here this morning, you do have absolute assurance 
that his inheritance that he has promised you will be there. Because he is a God that does not break his promise. He is a God that is worth putting our faith in. And when we remain faithful to him all the way until death, it tells us in here that he is not ashamed of us. Verse 16 says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Those that look forward and don't look back and put their full trust in him, he is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. I don't know if you've ever thought about this reality before, but a lot of times when we think about ashamed, we think about how we can be ashamed of God sometimes. You think about the story in, in, in uh, Scripture about how Peter denied Christ three times, right? And at the essence of that, there was a shame. There was a shame that he had to be called a follower of Christ. But even much worse than that is God being ashamed of us. The implications of us being ashamed of him and he being ashamed of us are eternally different. Those who do not die in faith as the patriarchs in Hebrews 11 have, God is ashamed by. He's ashamed by. Why? Because it means that they did not trust him to come through on his promises. And someone that does not trust God fully does not believe in God fully. You cannot believe in God fully and not trust him. And for those that don't believe in God, do not believe in his son. And for those who do not believe in his son, there no longer remains a sacrifice for their sins. And therefore, they are condemned to hell. Have you thought about, is God ashamed of me? And this ashamed is not looking down on your sin. Give me, hear me out this morning. This, this ashamed is not looking down on your sin thinking, oh my goodness, you are just pathetic. Look how much you sin. That is not God. His ashamed comes whenever we do not put our trust and faith in him and we have not surrendered everything over to him. If God is ashamed of you, it's because you're not a believer. And if you're, not a, if you're not a believer, then the sins that you commit are still on you because you have not been sacrificed with Christ. His sacrifice does not cover you. Therefore, he is ashamed. Believer, let me tell you this this morning. He is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed of you. What is the opposite of ashamed? Proud, right? Proud. It says, but for those who he is not ashamed, he has prepared a city in heaven for. We talked about this in our book, in a stand firm the other day. When it comes to an inheritance, we are inheriting God, but ultimately God is inheriting something as well. Do you know what he's inheriting? You. Now, Seems like he kind of gets the short end of the stick on that. We get God, he gets me. I don't know if that's really, really much to inherit. But he wants us. He desires to have us with him. Therefore, he's preparing a city in heaven for us. 
This is our rightful home. He's awaiting the time that we will come home to him. Our better country. The place that our citizenship resides. The place that we will call home for eternity. Understand that God loves you as a believer. Those of us this morning that have put our faith and trust in him, he is not ashamed of, and he has prepared a city and a room for us, that inheritance that is to come. But for those of us in here today, and I would be completely, completely, what's the word I'm looking for? Idiotic to think that there's someone in here that's not saved. And I would be completely unloving if I didn't say this this morning. But if you're in here this morning and you have not fully put your trust in him, and you are not living in faith and ultimately dying in faith, he is ashamed of you. And there is no longer a sacrifice that remains for you. You carry your own sins. But there's hope. But there's hope. It says in Scripture that he is patient towards us. For he desires all to come to the knowledge of faith. This morning as we step back and and examine ourselves, where is our faith? As we step back and we look at these individuals who died in faith, the examples that they have set remind us that we do not have to see with our physical eyes the promises of God come true, but we rest in knowing that they will. That's faith. Not waiting for them to come true, but knowing that they will come true. We choose to look forward to the promises of head instead of the troubles of the present. We choose to look forward to the promises ahead instead of all the trials and tribulations that come our way. We push forward and endure in the faith with this mind, not looking back. Why? Because tribulations that come, because that the tribulations that come with this are not our home. That the struggles that we have here on this earth are temporary. They're momentary afflictions in comparison to the glory that awaits us. And as long as we endure in the faith, with that at the forefront of our mind, God will not be ashamed of us. Because we have been washed in the blood of Christ, sealed by his Holy Spirit, and have been redeemed as children of God, we can die in the faith, just as the people in Hebrews 11. Will you walk, believer, will you walk in that truth this morning and throughout your life? Will you trust God even when you cannot see the outcome? Will you remain faithful and die in faith, knowing that God has you? And for what he has promised, 
he will bring. For the unbeliever in here this morning, this is what he has to offer to you. Give him your life. Surrender over your will. And walk in this newness of life that he has provided us. He is worthy of our trust and our faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you just now. Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you, Father Lord, that you are such a trustworthy God. Lord, we thank you, Father Lord, that you are who you say you are, Father and Lord, that what you promise we know will come to be. But Father God, as we live our lives, Father Lord, our faith can just, it can waver, it can be shaken. Father God, we can, be, we can find ourselves getting focused on the wrong things. We can find ourselves being focused on the trials that come this way, the trials that come into our lives, Father God, Lord, that we see no way out of. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would go through trials, we'd go through difficult times, we would face sin, Father God, with the eyes of faith rather than the eyes of our flesh. Lord, let us not be focused on the present, but let us be focused on the future. Lord, let us remember day in and day out the inheritance that you have promised us. And Lord, that we, as we walk this world, Lord, we can endure. Lord, we, can, we will not grow weary, for Father, we know what lies ahead. Let us strive for that goal. As you tell us in Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith this morning. And Father, for those are in here, Father God, that have never surrendered their lives over to you, Lord, that have never been gifted with this great gift of faith that you provide us. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would open their heart. Allow them to see their need for you. And Lord, allow them to trust their life in your hands. Father, you care about us and you love us deeply. And for that, we are thankful. Thankful, Lord, that you are a God worthy of our trust. We thank you and we love you. And everybody said, amen.